This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. Greetings, listeners. This is your host of the Fear Free podcast series, Alex Jimenez. On today's episode, we have with us Dr. Julie Reck. Dr. Reck is not only the owner and general practitioner at the Veterinary Medical Center of Fort Mill, but she is also one of our executive council members here at Fear Free. We are so lucky to have her. She's written numerous blog posts for us. She's been featured in news articles. She's very involved, and she's a living, breathing example of the success that comes with implementing Fear Free on many, many levels. So I'd like to jump right in for today's episode. We're going to be talking about culture, and I know that's a big, wide-ranging, sometimes broad, and oftentimes very intangible topic. A lot of people like to talk about it, and a lot of people like to talk about how to attain a positive culture and how to make your workplace positive and healthy, but doing it is something totally different. And Fear Free has a really unique place in this conversation. We have almost 16,000 people registered, and we have heard some incredible stories about not only the impacts of Fear Free on their bottom lines, on the business benefits like we talked about in last month's podcast, on the client experience, the marketing benefits. There are so many conversations we've had, but one of the most important things that we hear is how Fear Free makes their culture better. Dr. Reck here has a really unique story to tell, how she came about Fear Free, the process of implementing it, and really some great stories about what her staff experienced onboarding and maintaining Fear Free within their daily practice. So, Dr. Reck, I wonder if we could start with you telling us, how did you hear about us, and where did this story all start for you? Oh, you're so welcome. It's been a blast. I often tell people I kind of stumbled face first into Fear Free and my involvement with Fear Free. Um, back in 2016, I, when the course was first launched, I saw a little bit of mentioning in publications, saw a little bit on social media, and it piqued my interest. And then we received a uh, discount offer for being an AHA accredited hospital. And I started to do the math and realized that with our AHA discount, as well as the discount for enrolling most of our large staff, that I was going to be able to get it at a pretty economical rate per person and maybe a a one-time only uh, ability to get it at that rate. So I kind of pulled the trigger and we ended up enrolling every single person in the practice who has any involvement in animal handling. So that's every veterinarian, every assistant, every technician, and it ended up being 18 people. And truth. Truthfully, I really didn't understand the, the full degree that fear free certification was. I thought it was just going to be some additional training and great. We were just going to learn a little bit about animal handling and who couldn't, who couldn't learn a little bit more there. I was naive to the fact that I was going to be culturally changing our practice in a major, major way. So I think that our discussion today is really going to help other uh, practices and other people jumping onto Fear Free to really understand, and I, I say that in all a very good way, but it's important to know what you're jumping into. So my staff had uh, their ability to get Fear Free certified anywhere from January of this year to mid-April, and I had my last person finish their Fear Free certification. Of all those 18 people, they finished 
on the second day of March. So we were really proud of the fact that 18 people went through all of that rigorous self-paced online education and came out six weeks ahead of schedule. So that ended up being really phenomenal. I think that's going to be a great point for us to talk about here today. But um, we had another change to how we do veterinary wellness care. And I ended up presenting that to um, the AHA organization. So I was down at the Nashville conference and I was awaiting my presentation time and um, needed to be in front of Dr. Mike Kavanaugh, the CEO of AHA, so I didn't want to sit around getting nervous. So I was strolling through the exhibit hall booth and ended up talking to the rescue booth. And for anyone who's not aware, rescue is a disinfectant product that uses accelerated hydrogen peroxide technology, and it doesn't have any lingering chemical smells. So it really fits in line with the fear-free philosophy. We had just gotten those products in stock and I had a, a nice conversation with them about how they could um, help us by updating the label to uh, communicate that it is a fear-free product. So that when people see it sitting on my exam room shelves, they can make the connection that, wow, this veterinary practice is even being conscientious of what cleaning products they're using. And they want those to be the best and, you know, not induce fear in my pet. So I wanted people to make that connection. And the label, unfortunately, doesn't currently do that. So they were getting my two cents on that. And I had no idea that they worked so closely with Dr. Becker and the leadership team at Fear Free. And before I knew it, they were they were telling the leadership team at Fear Free, hey, this vet in South Carolina, you need to talk to her. And and then the rest is kind of in history. So it's, that's how I stumbled into Fear Free face first. <laughs> but I think it's a funny story along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, not to sound like a, a broken record, we are very lucky to have you. And I think you have a very unique story, not just in how you came on board with us, but also in terms of how you implemented Fear Free. And once you had those people on board, and as you said, you kind of had some record time in terms of getting everyone to pass. So um, I know you had some challenges and you said some of it was surprising and, and challenges aren't always bad. Anytime you go through change, there will always be challenges, even positive change. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of those unexpected challenges you faced when you brought this back to your, your team? Sure. So it's a long course. It's something that they're going to need to fit in amongst their work schedule. So um, I believe in, in being compassionate with the staff on that. Um, they were allowed to work on this during any downtime that we had in the practice, they were also allowed to communicate with their direct uh, team leader about, hey, could I be scheduled for six hours working at the clinic and then two hours at home to do it? So however it best fit them to get it done, we were really sympathetic to that. And I think that's important to realize that your team is going to need that. It's, it's going to be 10 additional hours that they're to get through it. And the sooner and the quicker they do it, and the more cohesive you can get all of your staff members doing it, it's going to be easier to make those fear-free changes as an entire organization. So, but we jumped into this and I, again, did not realize that we would be really culturally changing the practice. So um, once once I went to modules, I, that's kind of when I was like, whoa, okay, this is going to change a lot of how our practice functions. So we let everybody go through all the modules. And then the very first thing that we did was we met as a group. And um, this is a great opportunity to utilize some of your local pharmaceutical reps that are involved with Fear Free. 
possibly ones that have a product. That could be your SIVA reps, who's the adaptive and the field away, um, or um, even some of the uh, medication-based reps um, that have some involvement. But they can be really helpful in orchestrating that. We actually had a um, veterinarian from uh, Alonco go ahead and do some just some general talking uh, about low-stress uh, topics. And after she was finished talking about that, we broke, broke down into groups and used all the knowledge that we had now acquired in our modules and thought of, okay, each group kind of came up with what we could do different in each aspect of the hospital. So what could we do up at the front area? What could we do in the exam rooms differently? What could we do in the treatment area? Um, and then every person got to go to each little station and kind of add to that. And as a group, we all kind of voted on three changes in each section. And just once we had our three changes identified, we said, okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to really focus on just those three, even though we have a list of 20 and they're all amazing 20 suggestions to get this going and just to get moving in the right direction. We focused on the three top ones that we all voted on. And once those became habit, then we would add in another little change. And once that became habit, another little change. And I truly believe that success with Fear Free is the accumulation of small changes you implement consistently. You could do some one big lofty thing, and that's great that you did it for one day, but if you're not going to keep on top of it, you won't see the success rate. So it's changing your cleaning products. It's changing, uh, making a little adjustment to your scheduling so that you don't have, um, you have less animals in the lobby at the same time. Just those small little tweaks, and when you add in the whole effect uh, is when we really start to see the results of Fear Free happen. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, I think, is an incredible way of putting it is that those, and it applies to, you know, not just fear free, but any cultural change is that those small things can add up to make big differences. And so after you implemented some of this, what were some of the other benefits that you sort of saw happen? In addition to, I think the obvious is this is better for the patients and for, you know, looking out for the emotional well-being of the pets that come into your practice. But beyond that, this was the fun part and the part that surprised me because this was happening even when my staff was going through the modules, you know, and I would be sitting in my office doing just a lot of the practice owner activities that we have to do and um, just overhearing the conversations. And what I'm hearing is, oh, this case went just fantastic. And they're, they're then looking at their buddy over here and says, oh, I want to tell you about this puppy or kitten visit or this other visit and let me tell you what happened and we did this and this and it went so well or this nail trim has never gone so well on this pet before and you're starting to hear the conversation and the tone of the conversation change and instead of it being maybe a complaint about oh you know another bad dog or a grumpy client or you know something else that could be even in the, the realm of gossip we started to hear well the conversation be in a positive direction. And that was really the moment that I, probably the eyebrow raised moment. I was like, hmm, what do we have here? This is very interesting and I'm liking it. And I'm liking the, the positive infusion that it was delivering. So um, what, what's amazing is that a lot of us jump into Fear Free chasing the before and after that's available to our patients. And it's outstanding to realize 
but there's a before and after waiting for us as veterinary professionals. And it's not just waiting for the veterinarian. It's not just for the licensed veterinary technician. It's really for all of us at whatever level of the industry you have, um, because we've really uh, done a good job in the last couple decades of minimizing some of those mental impacts that, um, you know, having the handling not go in a great manner has really had on us. You know, we've kind of just swallowed that pill and we've just gotten used to, well, that's how it is. And yeah, you know, sometimes it takes four people to do a nail trim and sometimes you have to, you know, you, it's a sick pet and you need to get that blood in order to go through our diagnostic algorithm. So yeah, so three people might have to sit on it to get the blood. Um, and that's just become kind of, um, almost like a hazing process when you enter this profession, like, yeah, just get used to it. That's the way it is. So it's so enlightening to see that, that there is another option and there's another way to practice medicine. And it's, it's, it's had a very uplifting effect to our practice. So it's been amazing to see the before and after that it's uh, left our staff members. And, you know, a whole nother spectrum is what it does to the whole practice as a whole, even from the business side, even from the management side, we're seeing a lot, a lot less workman's comp issues, really, since we've been um, gone seriously certified, not only have we not had a claim on our workman's comp, but our urgent care visits, I and mean, we just haven't had a single one. And that's because you understand where to draw the line once you're a fear-free certified professional. You're a lot quicker and better able to communicate the benefits of either pre-visit pharmaceuticals or in, in the middle of a visit pharmaceutical and how to intervene with that so that your, your patient is getting the best experience possible. You know, I think I've told you this story probably two or three times now in other conversations we've had about, you know, here at Fear Free, we're a small team. And those of us who do not get to spend as much time in the practice, we're trying to get out and do practice visits and just kind of be a fly on the wall. And at my practice visit last month, the appointments were actually, a lot of the dogs were pretty fear-free to begin with. And the practice was, you know, kind of saying how they were disappointed. They wanted to show me some of their more, I guess, advanced fear-free sort of things and really show off some of their skills. But they said, you know what, on the flip side, you got to see us take on three or four appointments that were all very positive and fear-free to begin with. And that's great. But what you don't get to see every day or what you didn't get to see here today is when we have three or four back-to-back -back visits that were the exact opposite and the toll that that takes on the staff and how draining that can be mentally where over and over and over again before fear free those appointments would just wear you down and wear your staff down and weigh down the overall morale and so you know I think you know to, to both your points the you know the overall impact it has on the culture as well as you know the the re the increased safety for your employees, a lot of that is just, you know, that seems like very common sense. But in addition to that, we have also talked about, and I'm really excited for this part of the podcast, are some of the, not just benefits, but tips you have for those who are still kind of on the fence or looking at some of the challenges of implementing Fear Free and how coming from both directions, whether or not it's a you know, from the top down, a hospital or practice manager or owner that wants to implement Fear Free and how you go about that, to also somebody coming in new to a practice or somebody, you know, in a different part of the practice that wants to implement Fear Free the other direction. And so I was wondering if we could kind of talk about some of that now. 
absolutely. So I obviously have a lot of empathy uh, for those of us who are in the hot seat, either as the owner or even the practice manager. And it's very intimidating because you're kind of gulping as you think about taking on this challenge and you're worried about having to nag people to finish and how are you going to get to this deadline and, oh, this person's maybe not as tech savvy or just may not be as likely to stay on schedule. And that can be really overwhelming. It was one of my uh, concerns in starting this out too. Um, I'll share with you what ended up working really well in our practice. And I think this is something that could be uh, repeated in practice after practice. So my staff had the opportunity to begin their certification January 1st. And my first person, my first superstar to get through it um, was uh, one of my licensed technicians, and she finished on February 2nd. So it took her about a month. And I didn't even realize, I was naive to the fact that there was even this beautiful certificate that comes out once you got fear free certified. So on my desk, this early February morning, I come in, sit down, and she has placed her beautiful certificate and communicates to me that she's all finished. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. And, you know, here's her certificate, and I'm looking at it, and I thought, wow, this is great. And it's really this, this achievement of hers and of all of ours to come should really be celebrated. I laminated it, and I made a little sign that says, are you fear-free certified yet? And, you know, in our back area, I didn't even have it in our lobby, but in our back area, I put the sign I made on the wall in the center, and then I put her certificate on the uh, right next to it. And then the next week, I had about two or three more. And the week mm-hmm. after that, I had about four or five more. And what ended up happening was it ended up being a positive peer pressure effect where everybody wanted to be part of the group and everybody wanted to be on board with this. And so we had the on the wall and also had the conversations that are now sitting in this positive direction where everyone's so excited about what using what they've learned in these fear free modules. And I really strongly encourage the leadership of practices to visit positive peer pressure. And it really takes the nagging off your shoulders. Um, it can really get a large group of people on board in some way and make it so that it's everybody's idea and everybody's deciding, okay, you know what? I need to get on top of this. I, you know, I don't want to get left behind amongst my own peers, whether that's the assistants or the CSR reps or the technicians or even the or veterinarians in the group. No one wants to be the last one. And I think that's really how we were able to achieve getting all 18 people through the certification six weeks ahead of our deadline. And make sure you have realistic debt. I mean, don't give people a week to do this. So um, we, we slotted four months, and, you know, really in three and a half months, we had all of those people through that. And I, I think that's realistic. And, you know, another helpful tip is maybe picking it at the, at the time of year for your practice. Don't pick it when – it's your busiest month ever. That could be really frustrating for everyone. Pick it when it's notoriously a little on the slower side, whether that's the back-to-school time frame that we're in right now or, you know, January and right after the holidays. Whatever works best for your practice is good on that front. So that's my best tips for people at the top of the practice looking to implement it. We have a whole other section with Fear Free, and that is are individual people who are part of a big practice, but they might be the only person that has either 
shown interest in becoming fairly certified or gone through the certification. And they're really in a challenging situation because they're they've learned, they obviously believe and are very passionate about what they've learned, but it's not become a cultural uh, change within their whole organization because they're really the only ones who know about it. So what what tools would a person in that situation necessarily have? And so what I'm going to do now is just share a little insight on from myself as someone who owns a practice, you know, what what could someone do to help me understand what their goals are, how to help them achieve it, and why they're so passionate about it? And here's my best suggestion, whether it's your, if it's a manager who's really kind of orchestrating um, change in the process within your practice, or it's the practice owner or a lead veterinarian, what I would suggest is um, asking them out to lunch. So they will probably not want you to pay for their lunch, and that's okay, uh, but it can be simply simple, it can be quick, it can be a quick situation, the place right down the road from you, a little sandwich shop, anything works, but they're going to be so impressed by you coming up to them, asking them out to lunch, asking for a little bit of their time, and that for once, it won't be somebody who has just another common every complaint or a gripe or something along those lines. Just share that you really want to sit down with them and you really want to share this new knowledge that you've acquired and this, you know, something that has had a big transformation for the way you see veterinary medicine and the way you see it fitting in with their practice. And I think there's three things that we really want to drive home in that conversation that you have. And again, it's whoever is really leading your practice, whether it's the manager, you can actually ask a couple people out if it's multiple people. But they're going to be really impressed by that, that step that you've taken along those lines. So, one, you really want to communicate what getting fear-free certified has done for you, how it's changed your perspective on veterinary medicine, how it's maybe brought passion and joy back into your job. Once you've done that, you want to then communicate how you feel it's going to benefit their entire practice if we get more people on board. And with Fear Free, it really is something, it's unrealistic to think that one person can transfer 10 hours of that self-paced one-on-one training, the module. There's a, the modules are full of a lot of imagery, a lot of videos, and mm. important to understanding and getting better at reading body language and some of these cues these animals are communicating with us. So you really need to experience the modules firsthand. And our third point uh, that I think would be really good to drive home is communicating that you are offering to help with this implementation. Whether it's the practice manager or the practice owner, their day is a lot of times of problem solving and dealing with this client complaint or this staff issue. So to have it get dumped in their lap that, oh, we need to make all these fear-free changes or you need to get everyone fear-free certified is honestly a little overwhelming for them too if they're just now receiving it. So you offering to help and communicating what level of help you're willing to offer with that could really entice them and really encourage them to get a lot of people on board within their own practice. So I think if you can communicate those three things, one, why it affected you so deeply, why you feel so passionate about fear three, two, how you think it could make everyone else in the practice feel, 
and how it can really transform the entire practice. And three, making sure you are clearly communicating that you are offering to help. If you can get that done in that lunch meeting, I think you're, you're off to a really successful start. You know, I want to I wanna press on a point from our previous call about something you said about the parallels between the modules and practice culture and applying some of those things that may have been specifically geared towards how we handle patients, but that was very powerful for me. So if you could go into that a little bit more. Absolutely. So I think it's interesting because once you've gone through these modules, you walk away from this really understanding the power of positive reinforcement. And for those of us who are in practices and we might be the only seriously certified individual, and it can be a very frustrating and lonely path. In fact, I call these people lone wolves uh, because it's difficult. I think we need to remember how effective positive reinforcement communication can be. And while those modules are, are of communicating with animals, we can still apply a lot of the same concepts to our own inner human communication by using positive reinforcement. So instead of communicating whether or not this would be in one of those meetings with uh, your employer or your practice manager and saying, well, this is how, how terrible everything always has been and, you know, no good has ever come from anything this practice has ever done. That's a really negative way to communicate things. We want to really rely on that positive reinforcement communication style. So that's where talking about how uplifting this has been for yourself and how you could see this being so uplifting to other members of their practice team and talking about those positive aspects of fear-free once, once you have gotten everybody through the modules is, is just ready and waiting for you there instead of harping on, well, everything, every animal gets handled in a, in a really negative manner or we never do this right, we never have this outcome. It's just going to be yet another complaint or another gripe that, that they've honestly got a lot on their plate in dealing with that from all of the members of the staff as well as clients at different points in time. So it's something that is, oh, great, just someone else complaining. Um, it would be really probably transformative and unique for them to experience somebody talking to them in a manner of, wow, I think this is something that could be uplifting to everyone, and I'm here to help you do that. And, and that's where it's, it's, a, it's a fun parallel. Um, and I, I think that we forget, once we get here pretty certified, that, um, that that positive reinforcement style can be just as effective with ourselves as it can be with the animal. Right on. I mean, like I said, that is very inspirational for me. And I think our listeners will feel the same way because we've put so much time into this and to apply it in that context, just it kind of pulls things together and makes perfect sense. But I do like to wrap these calls up with some tips for our listeners out there who might be looking at implementing fear-free, kind of some take-home, real quick, hands-on things they could do right now. Absolutely. Okay. I've got a couple. They'll be quick. Um, So just a couple takeaway tips that I think are easy to implement no matter where you are in your practice setting. One is take a good look at your schedule and your lobby flow. See if there are any easy ways that you can minimize patient-patient interaction that is oftentimes really stressful. So for our practice, something that was easy was appointment staggering. 
instead of having two doctors seeing both eight o'clock appointments, we now have a, a doctor seeing appointments at eight o'clock and then one at 8.15. And that one small change was really transformative for how our patients experience our lobby. The other thing that has been very interesting, and a lot of us are using peanut butter as one of our key positive reinforcement uh, treats on our reward ladders, how you deliver that peanut butter is sometimes a little bit perplexing. And some practices, depending on how, how many staff to doctor ratio they have, it can be a little bit challenging because you kind of need someone available, whether that's the pet owner or available delivering uh, the peanut butter while two people are possibly getting a blood sample. So we have actually incorporated silicone pot holders that have a little bit of a bumpy texture, like a little bit of a grippy texture, and you can just smear the peanut butter onto that, and it gets kind of in between those grooves, and it sits on the floor really nicely. It kind of is anti-skid, so as the pet is looking at that, um, they're able to get it. They're not frustrated because it's impossible for them to get the peanut butter, but it's taking them long enough that you have enough time to go ahead and do three or four vaccines or get a little blood drop in the back leg. That's been something that we've been doing just these last weeks, and it's made a big difference, and especially with the little puppy appointment. If the pet doesn't like peanut butter or there's a household uh, human family member that would be allergic, so we need to avoid that, or we oftentimes use even just a little bit of canned intestinal food uh, from any of the prescription lines, and they're just, the pets just absolutely love that. Great. So I think that about does it then. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is, you know, very beneficial for, I think, our listeners that are, you know, both brand new to Fear Free and those that may have been with us for a little while, but looking at how they can uh, make their implementation even stronger. And um, so I really thank you for your time. You don't know this yet, but I'm going to be hitting you up for some marketing podcasts in the future. Um, I think you are a <laughs> excellent example for a lot of areas across the, the fear free spectrum. So thanks for, uh, for all you do. No problem. I'd be happy to talk. Oh, the marketing ones are really fun. Yeah. There's some good stuff in there. So, um, all right. Well, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, thanks for joining us today and be sure to check out fearfreepets.com for more information, news, blogs, resources, and uh, everything fear-free.